0: Hello, and welcome to the Player to Prospect podcast. The following episode features a conversation with Dave Lawn, the associate head coach and pitching coach at the University of Arizona. To support the podcast, all follows, ratings, and reviews are appreciated. And now I present to you, Dave Lawn. So my first question that I'm going to lead off to you is, when you hear the words, the art of pitching, what do you think about? What comes to mind?
1: Well, I think about you know, a left-hander like yourself jamming a right-hander with a belt line fastball or getting them to swing through it and then coming right back with a nice change up uh, down and away and see that right-hand hitter roll it over a nice easy two hopper to the third basement. Um, hmm. That's, that's, you know, that's kind of the things that come to mind. I, I, I think, too, though, and this gets this has been getting lost is you know just being a pitcher and managing the game, managing your emotions hmm. um, not getting sped up to the point where now you can't execute your pitches, um, you know the run holding runners, which, as you know, in college, that's a big thing, mm-hmm. you know if they can steal, they will um. You know, uh, seeing a guy recognize a base open situation and execute pitch after pitch after pitch
2: hmm.
1: and induce weak contact, um, you know, and I think the art of pitching has changed, you know, um, I was I ask. Mean, we know more, you know, I, hmm. I mean, we, we, we know how to help them better now through technology. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, uh, now the new challenge we have as pitching coaches is caught in college is, um, I learned, I, I got this, um, saying from, uh, Ron Woolforth of the Texas baseball ranch. And he said, uh, technology is a great servant, but a terrible master. And Mm. So I think it's um, I think you know that's the challenge now because a lot of these kids spend a lot of time before they get to you, um, pitching at, in facilities and that sort of thing, and they're 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 getting help with pitch design and biomechanics and all kinds of things, right? And mm. and um, you know, getting them to understand that's awesome. And this has made you better. However, at the end of the day, strikes are the thing. So, um, you know, uh, that's that's our challenge now, because those guys that run those places, they're 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 trailblazing pioneers. I mean, they've you know, the, we only hear the negative and well, we sometimes hear the negative and um, boy, there's a, there's a lot of really cool stuff out there that you can do to help kids.
0: It's interesting. You brought up these facilities. I feel like it's such a kind of hot topic in college baseball. And I know it isn't professional because I have teammates who in the off season, they're, you know, being asked like, Hey, can you like update us? Keep us in the loop about what you're doing here. If you're not going to do our thing, like we can't force you to do our thing but we'd like to know kind of what's going on at these facilities and in my opinion at least the facilities for the most part just as a generalization are really good at building their athletes you know making them better athletes especially pitching facilities making them better athletes on the mound but to me I don't see a whole lot of like building the pitcher in a sense not that yeah. I'm not that you know they're not be- you know, improving as pitchers, but I don't see any of that—at least in the media sense. And yeah. you mentioned how it's changing too. Right. So, I think the inception of these facilities might have a pretty big impact on how much the art of pitching is changing. Would you say yeah. like that's pro- that might be like one of the bigger sort yeah, of influences that, yeah, on it?
1: That's yeah, you know, um our recruiting coordinator, Trip Couch loves to say, nobody gives a bleep how hard you throw a ball for.
2: <laughs>
1: um, nobody cares what the horizontal or the vertical or the whatever is on a ball. Um, I think the challenges that some places may have facilities is, you know, they're using major league models. Now, I'm not saying that for all of them, but they're using a major league model, okay? Mm, So now those are are awesome, right? I mean, because now you can show a kid your horizontal and your vert on your sinker are major league average. Mm. That's what you've done. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, but the pitch design in the major leagues is say different than what is required to be successful in say college baseball. Hmm. Um, I think, I think what can be, I think sometimes when people don't realize and I say people generally, okay, college hitters have an A swing and a B swing. Hmm the vast majority of major leaguers, the perception is, is that they're only trying to do damage and you can pretty much only do that with one swing. Hmm. Does that make sense?
0: It does, so, only to so, elaborate on it, yeah.
1: Yeah, so um, if you're trying to get the ball in the air and you're trying to beat an outfielder or hit it over the fence, You've got to have such a swing that gets the ball in the air. Um, in college, that I mean, if I if I talk about our program, we want our guys to do damage. Now you get to two strikes, guy might get a little gritty, right? Yeah. He might
3: yeah,
1: you know, he might widen up. You know, the the he's going to expand the plate and fight pitches and fight pitches until. The college pitcher who's not yet quite as skilled as the major league pitcher yeah because a major league pitcher is going to throw six straight sliders reasonably close to the hole in the swing where college guy might maybe do it once maybe do it twice and then give in and it catches too much plate and bang yeah. right so right. Yeah. so i i think you know um they have to a college pitcher you know your rotation in college if you're going to win big they have to eat up innings right Mm -hmm. they got to pitch seven or eight yeah take them out in the seventh take them out in the eighth because we're just not built like maybe a major league pitching staff is where you have you know eight guys in the pen that throw a million miles an hour and they're super nasty.
2: Right. So
1: it is kind of a, you know, a different game and um, it'll be interesting to see with the new rules, how much that changes at the major league level with the lack of shifts and the bigger base. And, you mm-hmm. know, there's, there's, there'll be more offense and maybe there'll be more, I, you know, people seem to think that there'll be more action.
0: It's funny you brought those rules up because we got to implement those this past season. And I mean, the one that you didn't mention was the pace of play with the the clock. That is also a very influential rule. And I'm also excited to see how those play out into the season. Does college baseball have an adjustment to that yet? Because I know we had like a clock, but I personally never worried about it.
1: So you have um, last year, it was a 22nd clock. Okay. Um, the clock didn't start until the pitcher got to the rubber. So in other words, let's say you wow. do a pitch, the catcher caught it, threw it back. As soon as you got to the rubber, provided you were, weren't taking forever,
2: mm.
1: once you got to the rubber, they'd start the clock. And then once you started your windup or once you came set out of the stretch position, They no longer were timing you.
2: Mm.
1: In college, the the 22nd clock starts as soon as you catch the ball. Yep. And with runners on base, oh, and last year's rule, you had pretty much unlimited resets. Yeah. Okay.
0: You can abuse that.
1: Um, Now, you have one reset per hitter. And if you violate that, it's an automatic ball. You still have unlimited picks in college Mm. baseball. Mm -hmm. But additionally, last year, the hitter had to be in the box, engaged with the hitter within five seconds. Now he has to be in the box, engaged with the pitcher, I'm sorry, within Mm. 10 seconds. Do
0: you guys enforce that in your scrimmages too?
1: Yeah, you have to. Have you noticed
0: a difference at all? Like with that, with players having to adjust with it?
1: Yeah, it it initially it was tough. And then, you know, they get it. They just got it. I think last yeah. year, the whole year, we might have I don't even think we had that I can recall an actual clock violation.
0: Yeah. Uh, I know our team, and again, we were low A and I was in high for a little bit, had a few violations, but by the end of the year, everyone's got it cleaned up. I would yeah. hope at least at the big league club would Probably going to be along the same lines
1: was it but, not 15 seconds in the minor leagues
0: it was a lot shorter yeah so it was 15 i think with uh 14 with runners on so there would be times where you know you pitch the ball and if you're at the you know you're away you don't have your uh, your home clock it would be you pitch the ball and that clock is already starting before you're catching that ball you're hopping on the mound with 12 seconds yeah it's like oh it's go 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 so yeah that's the one variable where I'm I'm very intrigued to see how that plays out too, to see if the clocks are a little different, how when they start, how consistent they can be with that. But that's just rules, you know. I mean, I those will definitely get figured They'll out adjust. at least. They'll yeah, adjust to it. Exactly. I mean um Okay, well, I want to ask about the program now, you know, at least, Mm -hmm. you know, for you, just just so the listeners get an understanding of what your school is like, you know, because obviously we jumped into this very uh, philosophical question about the art of pitching. But, um, you know, I guess for my sake, too, I kind of just want to ask about the team, you know, at least maybe just how the fall went, just a brief synopsis of that.
1: Yeah, uh, the fall went really well. I mean, you know, I mean, everybody's fall goes really well. I I think with the transition of the new coach last summer and us having a roster that you, you we couldn't do much with because of the timing of mm. the new hire and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, nonetheless, we still got 39 wins and got to the postseason. Um, I think the the big thing that I noticed in um, this fall is we had a longer roster mm. um, there, you know, so in the end on the position player side, we have some more options in terms of if we need to do matchups or if somebody gets hurt, mm. um, things like that, pinch runners, guys on defense, you know, the the normal things you would maybe do in a game. And from the pitching side, um, we're deeper. We have um, more guys available to us. Um, Mm -hmm. Where last year it was a much shorter pitching staff in terms of, you know, um, guys that had pitched guys that had experience guys that could, you know, do what you got to do every weekend in our in our league and yeah. and against the schedule that we play so um, you know I think that's the biggest takeaway mm-hmm. um, we have a we have an older team um, you know we're you know we still have some COVID stuff guys and that sort of thing yeah. and, um, we'll return our second baseman, our shortstop, our third baseman, our left fielder, our center fielder, the guys that will do the catching this year um, Hmm. played quite a bit last year. So, you know, they'll be, you know, basically it'll be a new first baseman, a new right fielder, and a DH. Hmm. Um, And then, so... You know and we have a lot of ways we can go with that um yeah I I, I think you know I mean everybody likes our team right now because we're all undefeated um I I just have a I have a sneaking suspicion at the end of May we're going to be playing for something really important hmm.
0: now you said you have an older team a yeah. lot of people do have older teams yes but- <laughs> yeah because of the whole COVID deal but for you guys, do you tend to lean on those older guys, sort of tell those older guys, "Hey, like bring these younger guys under their under your wing, like there's there's kind of like a leadership sort of role you should be taking on?"
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, some guys are built for that and some guys aren't, you know. I, right, yeah. I always have felt in all the years I've done this that captains or leadership councils or guys that are actually lead it just kind of happens yeah you know. now <clears throat> older players tend to do things right a lot mm-hmm. you know they don't forget that they had weights or they don't you know they're just they're so they're low maintenance yeah and so when you have a group because you know i said we're a pretty old team it's like we're old and we're young and there's Mm. not much middle and so i think our older players do a good job with you know doing the right things all the time especially when nobody's watching Mm. and being an example for for how things are done um I think, you know, we have between Chip, Tripp and myself, there's, gosh, there must be a hundred years of coaching combined. Of course, (laughs) Chip doing 98% of it at the major league and minor league level, but nonetheless, um, coaching. And Tripp's been doing it a very long time too. And um, I think, you know, when you have experience, like we do, I think it also comes what comes with it as well as perspective, right? Mm-hmm. You, 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 and expectations, and having an understanding of, you know, okay, you know, this is a, a very talented young player, we got to give him a soft landing, so he can get off to a good start, or, or that his first outing on the mound is a, is a good one, or you know, as much mm-hmm. as we may want to bat a hot shot freshman lead off, you know, it might be wise to hide him out in the eight or nine hole, let him get his feet wet a little bit, and, <laughs> and 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 until he figures things out. So um that's interesting that you say that. Yeah, I mean, you know, some guys. I mean, we've had you know spectacular freshmen over the years at places I've been. That man, there's. We're just this guy's a guy, so you play him. But yeah. I just think you know having that kind of calm and and perspective, and you know understanding how this crazy game works. And um, you know, like I mean, t- thirty years ago when we walked the leadoff guy, I I actually thought we might pitch out of this inning with no runs. Well, the game. <laughs> that's not going to happen in baseball very often, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, you learn certain things over the years to not get too worried about. I mean,
0: mm.
1: you didn't try to walk them. He, he, it just happens sometimes.
0: You brought up freshmen, you know, coming up and maybe you got some big shots, you know, but most freshmen aren't the transition from high school to college. It can be difficult. Ah. I would, I would assume for, most freshman i know it was for me Um, massive yeah yeah so can you talk about um just how you work with players maybe pitcher specifically too who are not doing so hot in the fall in their first fall or even their first winter leading up to the season
1: yeah well i mean if you take a pitcher for example i mean you probably remember jack you know when 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 in high school you know Everything you threw up there was by somebody, or it had enough wrinkle in it that they missed it every single time, whether or not it was a ball or a strike. And now you're an 18 year old kid who's a freshman pitcher, and you're pitching to kids that young men that have been playing three, four, or five years who are not swinging at the OO breaker mm. because they they've seen that movie a million times they're going to they're going to force you to throw it for a strike before they even think about it because they have the experience to do that mm-hmm. and so that that young pitcher comes in and he keeps trying to make his pitcher's pitches better and better and better and then he finds himself behind in the count and then he gives in and he throws one down tweedle street and it gets whacked and he's mm-hmm. like god they they don't swing, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, you gotta, you gotta command the zone and 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 cover the plate with your stuff. Um, you know, the not many high school hitters have to deal with really good change ups. You know, the the better pitchers in high school, by and large, were recruited or are famous because. They have a little juice on the fastball and they have a slider. Then most, I would gather, it's been my experience, that most changeups become usable in college. So now you're a left-hand hitter standing in there and you got a right hander who's willing and good at throwing a two, one changeup. And as soon as it leaves his hand, you're swinging. So, Mm. you know, I mean, an 18 year old, you know, you probably played up in high school, like you'd go and play in the summer and you might've been a 16 year old, but you played 18 years, right? That's a, that's a gap. But now you get an 18 year old, he's playing with 23 year olds. He's playing with 22 year olds. Mm -hmm. He's playing with guys that have experience and have been through the wars And have spent four years in a weight room, have hundreds, maybe over a thousand college at bats and summer ball and all that kind of stuff. So they're super experienced. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, now by the same token, we're seeing guys at a younger age hit it harder, farther, throw it harder with more break, but with a little bit less of having it translate to usable skill
2: hmm. because
1: because they're playing they are playing more games that there's no cif championship or elite title on the line hmm. in 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 other times that doesn't mean they're not playing helps you get better and there's tons of club organizations and all that kind of stuff that give these kids these opportunities and 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 play a lot of baseball and give them good instruction and help them and develop them and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but at the end of the day if you lose game four in the jo's up in peoria it's not like you went to newberry park right
0: oaks christian Marm, oh, Chris Marmani League, though Newberry's in that same week.
1: Oh, okay. Well, there's a mm-hmm. different taste in your mouth after the game when you lose to Newberry Park or you lose to the XYZ Cowboys of who knows where USA. Yeah, there's yeah. a little bit of difference, and
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know, they're 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 just you know, somewhat are. I mean, I'm sure plenty of people would argue it, but. I just think they're playing less games with consequence than, 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 than ever, really. They're playing a lot, which helps.
0: Yeah. I mean, it certainly helps in terms of building, you know, your ability to like bring value to a team, but when you don't have that incentive to win, it can certainly change the atmosphere and, you know, the um what should I call it? The stakes, like you're saying, you know, playing yeah, all these low some, stakes games.
1: Yeah, there's I mean, there's, you know, again, people would argue, I mean, and I've been to it, the 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 worldwood bat in Jupiter, mm. that th- those are knife fights. Mm. You know, those are they're getting after it. Yeah. And that's why it's so well attended. Not only are there a bunch of great players, but there are events out there where it's you know they're boy, they want to they want to beat each other, and yeah, and so um, I just think you know, high school games have some real consequence,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: and, and there's and there's high stakes, you know
0: that's interesting you're you're bringing it up though, because I feel like um college or okay, i'll I'll rephrase um, the the availability, you know, or the, the uh, attractiveness of going to a high school game and watching a kid play, I feel like it's kind of going away a little bit, or at least it maybe hasn't, uh, it's lost in popularity maybe, is that safe to say?
1: Mm, yeah, I would say generally, I would also say we, we try to see as many of kids that we have interest in play high school games, us personally.
0: It is difficult um, to do that though cuz you guys have seen It insane is it season. is it's
1: very difficult. It's very difficult. It's Yeah. It is it is what it is. 20 years ago we still had um the VIBL, right? Up in your neck of the woods. Um, what even
0: is that? I don't even know what that is.
1: That was the Valley Invitational Baseball League. Wow. Well, that might have been even way before you, but
0: Guys say but I don't know even, what that is.
1: But, but you know, with the way high school, you know, the it's rare that your high school coach is also a a teacher on campus, and and mm. then you know you don't you don't have high school situations as much anymore where um, you know the Oaks Christian High School team was also the Oaks Christian summer team and the Oaks Mm. Christian summer team is also the Oaks Christian high school team. So there's, there's these other things that, you know, kids may or may not be held accountable for. And again, I mean, we see plenty of good and bad baseball in all forms. Right. And I mean, it just depends on who, who you go and see say in the summer, whether mm. or not, if a kid fails to cover first base, they're getting after them or not.
0: Mm. Yeah. Oh man. I, I remember failing at that once or twice and learning my lesson. Okay. So yeah. what about what, what about once they get to campus, you know, how, how do you build that in them? Is it just, you know, the fall is, it's all like game scrimmages. We're trying to build that competitive nature.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, I would say it's, it's more sliding towards, personal development and okay. development as a whole hmm. i mean i think um you know i think it's always wise with a new player to kind of adopt the three to four week rule you know resist the urge to see him throw a bullpen and want to reinvent him let him oh, kind of okay. do things the way he's done them yeah let him hit the way he's hit let him feel ground balls the way he field, fields ground balls let him pitch the way he's pitched. And then over time, you know, maybe say, look, I don't know if this is gonna work, but Mm -hmm. I think I could give you a a better habit to, you know, give you a more powerful habit to replace his current habit. And Mm -hmm. and so in such a way that, you know, you kind of, you're not jamming anything down his throat yeah you're you're kind of collaborating with them to help them contribute mm, yeah you know because we are trying to really win. <laughs> I mean, we're trying to literally go fifty six and out,
3: yeah, that's the goal,
1: <laughs> you know, and um you know, because when I first started Tuesday games where you would play the extra guys and you throw the bullpen, chop up the game and do all that. No, you got to win every game. Now you got that RPI and yep, you got all kinds of things.
0: So you said, you said falls more on personal development. Now I want to ask, and you said, you also uh, wait these uh, three to four week period. Did you always do that? Or is that something you kind of, had to adopt and sort of change in terms of your approach
1: i wouldn't say i always did it i feel like i've been doing it a long time that way though okay When that kind of started you know i don't know but i have always believed that well put it this way over the course of time my list of things that i'm unalterable in my thinking has shrunk hmm and what I've come to believe is with pitching, guys move differently. Guys, as a result, have a different arm slot, which is going to lend itself to an, a, an assortment of pitches that they can then throw well. Hmm. Um, you know, it, it's it's so you got to, I mean, we recruited them. And we saw them, but it's totally different when you're hands on and you're right there with them in the pen. Yeah. And so, so, you know, I, I, I think as the years have gone on, you try to partner with the player to work together with his input and my input and somebody else on the coaching staff and, and that sort of thing that. To get the best version of the kid
0: i've heard from other coaches that in recent years players specifically the younger ones like to ask why you're doing something a lot more often they want to know the reason for why something's going on which i think is twofold you know you can look at that in a negative light and say they you know they're rebellious or they just you know they, they're contrarian in some way but you could look at that in more of a positive light and say they just want to understand, you know, the, you know, the true reason behind doing things. Have you found that to be, you know, uh, common in your case, or has that happened for you? And has that had to influence the way you coach? It
1: happened happened 37 years ago and it probably happened yesterday. Mm -hmm. And, and so to say that they now are different in that regard is, I, I, I wouldn't say that. You know, I, I do think that kids are a little more informed, you know, kids have, yeah, yeah. have you know, with, I mean, technology is right in their wheelhouse
3: mm-hmm.
2: and
1: they have, you know, they have a little better understanding of that part of baseball. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, I, I don't, I don't see it as an added challenge or another layer that you gotta crack. I think, you know, I think it. You know, you in building trust and him feeling like you're really trying to help him be better. Mm. And you know, I mean, it's always been the same for years. If you if you invest in them and you spend time with them and you try to help them, though, they'll, they'll respect it. Yeah. You know. I mean. You know. It, it, I mean sometimes you just have to differentiate with them what are expensive lessons and what are inexpensive lessons, right?
2: Hmm.
1: Um, For example, you might have never thought about tipping pitches until you got to college, right? Um, and, And now that's an expensive lesson. That so we have to clean that up
2: mm-hmm.
1: and sometimes that's at the expense of undoing the way they've always done things for since they were eight years old you know yeah. they had the ball in their hand and they would get the grip as they go in you know or they're <laughs> or they're wide open so they can yeah. let the runner at second seat i mean yeah you know so when you tell them look you don't you know you got to understand this needs to be clean because it's cleaned up because college teams will take advantage of it but but this is this requires no skill this is mm. an easy fix and when i tell you that it doesn't just hurt your era it hurts the score of the game which hurts the other 34 guys that are in uniform that day <laughs> yeah so so it's important now we'll work with you to fix it Um and 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 it'll be a never ending thing that we always gotta deal with holding runners. You know, you don't if you're a I mean if you're a hot shot high school pitcher, you don't deal with runners.
2: They're not
1: you don't deal with traffic. You know, in college they're gonna get on base and if you take forever to get it to the catcher, they're gonna take advantage of it. And if they steal a base, in college, that's four tenths of a run, so yeah. you know. I mean, there's so now you got to kind of maybe change the guy's delivery. But those types of things, you just kind of let them. You know, you might mention it in passing and say, "Hey, look, you know, you're showing the watch. You're one six to the plate. You know, we gotta we gotta mm. figure out a way to have you be comfortable and get the ball delivered." to the catcher a little quicker because you're gonna get run out of games.
0: Yeah, so let's keep down this uh, development path. And you mentioned technology a little bit. We're in this mm-hmm. kind of era, you know, with mm-hmm. uh, with information being so present, just a lot of people can get real data-driven. I wanna ask how involved you are with technology on a day-to-day with your pitchers on a player-to-player basis. And then also um, how much you like to talk a- about the technology side with players? I know every player is different, so some might not be as well-versed. Some might really like the numbers. Right. So can you just elaborate on, like, how you like to approach that piece of the development side?
1: Yeah. um, What we did this year, for example, was we let them get their arms in shape before we put the Rapsodo out there and all that kind of stuff because, Mm. as is the case with all young pitchers, the one thing Rapsodo – Rapsodo does many things. It gives us a lot of information. Mm-hmm. But what it does have is it measures the speed of the pitch. And so we took a fairly decent amount of time to make sure their arms were in shape. And then for about a 10-day period, we put pretty much every bullpen on Rapsodo with the Androtronic. And, you know, we measured stuff pitch look at the ipad um show them maybe where their hand was on a certain pitch and 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 made tweaks from it and in so doing i felt like we had several guys create more vertical more horizontal on their pitches and And showed them that if they held the ball two seams or you quarter turned it a little bit, look at what's happening.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, you've always been accustomed to throwing a four seam. Well, now we've just made you have two fastballs. Um, mm-hmm. and then and then we other than the track man, which is in the ballpark already, then we we shut down the full sessions with the tack. And then we competed for about four weeks, and then we had three weeks before we broke for Christmas, and that was all we did. More mm. pitch design, more um, video. Um, we did some stuff. Excuse me while I scratch my eye. We <laughs> did. We did more stuff with uh, overlaying mm. where their where their hands where their uh, release, release points point. were on their pitches. Yeah. You know, and I just, I think there's a, there's a happy medium, you know, like I said, great servant, terrible master, you got to kind of meet in the middle and apply it where it can help. You know, Mm -hmm. we, um, now, instead of saying, hey, you're dropping your elbow on your change and slowing your arm, now we can actually show it to them. Mm -hmm. And so now they see it and they go, man, I am you know and then and then you'd say look at you know you just start pairing his fastball and overlay it with his change look it's like the same pitch and that ball comes out and you see the edgertronic and it's just one ball and then boom they separate and you're like buddy you got it you know so so um you know that that's one example i mean A lot of colleges have all this stuff. I think the key is how you disperse it, how much information do you give them? And Mm. then how are you using it to help them? Like this fall, I mean, in January and February, I stole this idea off Twitter. Some guy was talking about it Mm. on a thread and I thought it was a really good idea. We're going to give them the information on the pitches that they throw, that are in the zone or one ball in or out or one ball high or low, because we're trying to get them throw strikes, right, or better strikes and control this movement. Going back to Coach Couch is saying, who cares what the analytics are on a pitch that. Misses the zone in in such a way that it's a non-competitive pitch.
0: Mm, okay, so you say competitive so, pitch. Yeah, that's kind of yeah, the you know, ballpark. What i was mean, thinking.
1: Yeah, you got to get it close. You know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I mean, you're not you're not going to be pinpoint. You're not going to be perfect, but but you've got to try to until you get to two strikes. I believe try to present every pitch like it's going to be on the plate and then have it go left. Or have it go right, or have it carry, you know all those kinds of things. you got to cover the plate first, yeah, and then get yourself to account where he's taking emergency hacks
0: So you break it up, right? like you said in the fall you have you have um, the pitch design, you know sort of portion, get rid of that, and then you do the competitive, and then move on from that, and go to you know, go back to it, right? So yeah. is it mm-hmm. and that's intentional, right? Breaking that yeah. up. So yeah, yeah, in the competitive portion though, you don't focus on that at all. You you kind of tell guys like this is not like we're not gonna pay attention to this at all. Strikes, just competing.
1: Roll yeah. strikes, get them out, mm. hold your runners, don't miss signs, pitch with good tempo, compete, mm. pound the zone. Yeah. And then and, and, and then go back to it because we got the time now, you know, once we finished fall on October 30th, we literally had a three week window where two of those weeks were just devoted totally to tech. And then Mm. that last week, we did a little fun competition. So.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Can, um, what about like the mental side of the game in terms just, you know, for the pitcher specifically, actually, um, do you like to, kind of implement that into the day-to-day stuff do you give them little things to work with yeah Um,
1: yeah you know um that's a we we have a we have at our school a really good staff of people that can you know that that can be the kenra visa types or the you know the the mental training stuff mm. and and we're in lockstep with them in terms of what they discuss and with with the team and all that, I think I think an example of how we address, say, the mental game would be a guy on a bullpen and mm-hmm. he just beat himself up every pitch, missed bad, and he, oh, body language and this and that, and yeah. and and we'll and we'll say, you know, you can't do that in a bullpen. And the kid might say, well, you know, I've always kind of done that. And I'll go, yeah, but but see, here's the thing. You know you can't do that in a game. So what yeah. you do in the game is you internalize. And now you become a boiling pot ready to explode. Mm. So if you can't practice poise and the ability to forget about the last pitch and move to the next pitch in a medium to low leverage situation,
2: mm.
1: how do you think you're going to flick that switch, and and do it in a game where it's different color hat in the other dugout, scoreboard lights, lines, the whole thing. <laughs> it's right. you know so if you if you start with that first, simply breathing is you know I mean, you know sometimes I'll say to the kid you know you're holding your breath. I mean, <laughs> breathe, yeah. bro. Just breathe. Yeah. You know, find find some way in your pre-pitch where you're getting some kind of breath in to relax yourself. You see the guy, he's like this, and, you know, relax. You know, you got to relax. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's – I'm not saying that's easy. In fact, I would say it's hard. But if you're not going to practice it and catch – If you're not going to practice it in short boxes or flat grounds and bullpens, when are you going to practice it?
3: Yeah. And,
1: and, 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 you know, coaching them up on body language, telling them what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, mound presence, pointing it out. Um, I mean that's that to me is the mental side as a pitching coach that we deal with. Also teaching them perspective. You know, you scrape the edges with the first two pitches. It could have been strikes, it could have been ball. Now you're 2-0, now you gotta attack the <coughs> the hitter, and it's two-o. You you threw a fastball. He smashed it. What'd you expect? I mean, I'm not, it's, it happens, you know? So, yeah. the, so now what you gotta do is get good at throwing a real good 2-0 something. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that you can combine it. I mean, the, the, the worst count for a pitcher is I think it's two, one or three, one in terms of batting average and Mm -hmm. on base and slug. But even then the odds are still in your favor. Right. As the pitcher. So, you
0: know, I mean, there's also like an element of learning how to channel that failure and kind of repurpose it as opposed to, you know, letting it get to you and letting it build up. And, you know, as you can, kind of rework it and say like okay yeah first and second no outs like this is a great opportunity to really shut it you know get out of a jam and like prove myself you know it's kind of it's kind of really just how you look at it which I don't think it's a very common thing to do to always look at it you know from a positive sort of perspective but like you said if, if you kind of implement that mindset like every day you implement that in your catch play and your bullpens every day Then once you get on the mound, it's like clockwork. It's very second nature. So is it that kind of philosophy? Like the, you know, if we implement this every day, if it's in your nature, then when push comes to shove, you'll be ready.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, to me, pitching at a high level is moving on from whatever happened before and having the the presence of mind Mm. to to, to just look at this one pitch as its own singular thing.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, when, um, when Nate Yeski was with us in 20 and 21, um, I heard him say something. I, I, I might get this wrong, but he said, there's a reason why the rear view mirror is significantly smaller than the windshield So. You know, look at it that way. I mean, that's just yeah. another way to articulate, yeah, how to move on. You know, and right. I think, I think sometimes sayings like that and buzzwords and things like that are, are, are key. And and getting them to understand, you know, if you get wound up and sped up, you're going to lose this delivery that you really like. Mm. Um, you know, you start to bring tension into into your deal then you're not going to move like you want to move and then now the ball's not going to do what you want it to do and then you're not going to get the result that you're hoping for wanting. yeah
0: yeah it's it's pretty funny how much the mental side of it affects the physical side just on a pure mechanics level it's it's hilarious Good question i mean yeah
1: Bad, bad you know i had a kid you know the, you know, one of these kids, you know, he's throwing a bullpen and I said, if I talk to you the way you talk to yourself, you would, you would call the police (laughs) and have me arrested. (laughs) So why would, if I wouldn't do it to you, why would you do it to yourself? Because it's Hmm. not helping you.
0: Yeah. But I'll play devil's advocate here. Maybe he saw some YouTube video of Max Scherzer, you know, going crazy on the mound and it's like, oh, he's just pumping himself up. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. like, okay, but that's his persona and he's not beating himself up. He's actually, you know, it's like a positive reinforcement for him. It's like a standard that he's saying like, this is your standard, like be up to these standards. Totally different. So it's it's funny how like, yeah, it's funny. Like how we're talking about with the information era, how easy it is for Younger kids, you know, unfortunately, they just they're younger, so they don't always see things clearly and they might kind of misinterpret like a lot of deals, like a lot of a lot of, you know, people that would be um, looked up to or professionals, you know, quote unquote. So that's an interesting part of, of the game, honestly, that I think for you guys, it's it really makes it like what you kind of touched on earlier like an extra layer on top of like the coaching sort of aspect
1: yeah yeah well and again you bring up max scherzer i mean he's not doing it every pitch though
0: you know you what just I mean? see it in the highlights
1: yeah you know yeah. He, might, he might he might air himself out two or three times a game or something like that get behind the mound and put the glove over his face and mm. you know but but that's max you know and and, yeah and not everybody does it that way
0: yeah he can because it's him it's him yeah you you brought up uh you said buzzword and i immediately thought of the word culture because everyone you know uses that word culture um and you who is or who has been at arizona now for this is your eighth season it's going to be Mm -hmm. so you were here you know pre- Uh, new head coach coming in
1: yeah and free chip right
0: free chip so you know but you know better than anyone uh that the head coach is pretty much the definer of the culture for a team so can you just talk about how the culture has sort of changed shifted a little bit you know with the arrival of chip um or just the style he brings really
1: yeah i think i don't it's not it's not that there's a big difference okay i think there's more similarities than there are differences um you know if i say the differences, it's going to come off like i'm bashing one guy or another i think what i think what they both do really well is they keep the the team and the kids right in the head Hmm. and i think that's really important yeah um specifically with chip i i i don't think i've ever been around a more positive person Hmm. and and you know as i spoke to before that might have something to do with having great perspective and Hmm. because he's he's literally coached or played in 100 plus games for 30 years you know i mean the amount of games and knowledge that he's seen is mind boggling mm. in the situations and all those kinds of things. Um, I, he's just so, so positive. Mm. And, and, he's, and he's, you know, he, he just doesn't give up on guys. And, mm. and he keeps trying to see the good in them so that they can keep moving along and, and progressing. And, and, um, you know, any, anybody I've worked for over all those years, all these years, it's, it's been the same way. Hmm. You know, um, the challenge always is, for every head coach, is once you start making a lineup card, because right now, yeah. everybody's throwing yeah. the same amount of innings, getting the same A-Bs, you know and uh, and there's no group one hitter and there's you know that whole thing and and so so you know what you do um to not destroy their hope and 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 how you interact and deal with them on a daily basis is very very important because at a point during our season there's going to be a group of pitchers for example that all they do is throw bullpens Mm
0: -hmm. or
1: throw in the in the wednesday sim game or whatever it is right right well you 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 have to treat it important and you have to tell them it's important and and because because there's only so many things and so many at bats to go around. So I think how you, how you deal with that and how you approach it and the importance you play on it and how present you are while it's happening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we um, we've all seen situations where it's just like, Oh God, we got to do this. And, you know, and I, I just, it's not really in me to approach it that way because you know you're here. You're on the team. We're gonna coach our asses off for you, <laughs> in, in in as best we can. Now, if you're not playing and we're doing our part, and you're dragging your blanket around, number one, you're not getting any better, and number two, you're just kind of showing your hand. If you're mm. attacking these opportunities with enthusiasm and and with the intent of getting better and, and, and seeing the bigger picture, you mm-hmm. know, it, it's, uh, um, then, then those guys always get better and they end up helping you.
0: You know, those guys that are working hard when they're not getting the playing time, they've got to be getting catching your eye a little bit more to right? because, because that's no something question. that just isn't talked about really, or it's, You don't really see it until you're in it, and you might be one of those guys where you're not in the day one lineup, and you have you you haven't been in the lineup for three weeks, and it's like, okay, when's my opportunity going to come? And it's like, oh, it'll come, and when it does, you better be ready. You know. Yeah. Well,
1: yeah. I mean, our first year here back in sixteen, um, and that was a really good team. We got to the championship game of the College World Series. And we had a kid um, who, uh, his name was Kyle Lewis. He literally never played for 20 games. Mm. But every time Jay would get the hitters together, he was there and he was listening. Mm. And then all of a sudden he started playing and then he started start, and then he couldn't get him out of the lineup. Yeah. You know, Chase Davis, who's a really talented player for us, as a mm-hmm. freshman played very little was an unbelievable bench guy and then last year he hit 18 home runs and is a was a great player you know and that yeah. stood out.
2: Mm.
1: You know those kinds of things stand out. It, you know if you mope and you're mad and it, it's just like boy that puts you in a tough spot.
3: Yeah.
2: You
1: know because because I haven't quit on you.
3: <laughs> so yeah. why are
1: you quitting on yourself? Yeah. If you mm-hmm. if you want to pitch more, if you want to play more, play better and pitch better.
0: <laughs> it really is you that know? black and white.
1: <laughs> I mean, at the event, you know, it rarely comes to that, but sometimes you have to say that. Hmm. You know, we're not holding you back.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: We're, we're just trying to win. And right now, you don't figure in that, but does it mean you won't eventually?
0: That's an interesting last little piece that you said, because now with the inception of the transfer portal, you have guys. If you know they don't play freshman year, why not hop in? You know I mean, it couldn't hurt. It's in their best interest. But at least in my opinion, I think it's pretty foolish what a lot of these players are doing hopping into this transfer portal pretty prematurely. And I mean, if you follow it at all, I mean, you see thousands of kids in it now. And frankly,
1: it's It's part of our, it's part of, it's part of everyday life as a college baseball coach. It's part of the deal. And, you know, we don't, we don't change the way we coach and, you know, to placate a kid or, you know, Hey, if we coach this kid firmly, he might leave. I mean
0: you know yeah puts you in a weird position but also a lot of these kids in the transfer portal they're probably not getting picked up either i mean you got to see these kids play
1: well yeah and and you know they they um the problem is there's so many in the portal with no place to go yeah you know it's not like you know you're the you're the kid who threw four and a third at a school, but you're 95. Well, I mean, if they didn't want you, we don't want you. You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, we we find ourselves with respect to the portal trying to be as deliberate as possible and making sure that because because we did pick up a few uh, last summer, but the criteria was yet you, you would have had to been a contributor where you were before and 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 that we're not taking you on um potential, you know, I mean yeah because you know you're you're we're looking for guys who've done it Mm -hmm. you know when it comes to that and you know good good players generally aren't leaving their schools. Now there yeah. are always certain situations, right? But, yeah. but, um, but generally speaking, um, you know, um, the the percentage of guys that come come out of the portal, I think, we will find um, aren't as impactful as we think they are. You know, if you just mm. go off them, I mean i think the two pitchers that we got through the portal are going to be major contributors um but but that's there's so many guys i mean they can't all jump to another place and bam you're in the starting lineup hitting third or bam you're the friday saturday sunday starter or the closer i mean
0: yeah Um, it's funny though because you can go to juco And that might be the case. I mean, I know I I did it, but I did it because I was hurt. So that's a whole other separate situation. But even then, it's like, you've got to be better off going to junior college at this point. And I don't know what to what degree you like to recruit junior college players, but at least junior college players have some sort of stats to go off of, right?
1: Yeah. No, I mean, we're just, you know, the portal, NIL, this, that, and the other. At the end of the day, we feel pretty confident we're gonna find eight to ten good players each year that are gonna help the next year's team. And mm. and and there's so many good players out there, you know. Mm. And they they can't all go to some places. We just, you know, I I, I we don't spend too much time on thinking about all that, to be honest, you know, but I do worry that there's all these kids that if they did maybe just hung in there and and were patient with their development, that it probably mm-hmm. would have worked out.
0: And see, there's also the issue, at least my perceived issue that I'm seeing is, it affects the high school kids to some degree as well yeah. uh because they might come in, you know, assuming like, oh, okay, there's like six other kids in my class. It's not a big class, but oh wait, we just got six more from the transfer portal. It's like, okay, well, now I'm the third string guy. Now I'm I'm not the backup. I'm the third string guy, yeah. the fourth string guy. It's like, oh my gosh. So, I kind of want to ask about recruiting high school players too for you guys specifically because obviously now there's so many different ways to gauge them, and not only with you know the eye test but also with technology and you said you like to implement technology to your current players, not necessarily asking about specific guys, but in terms of when you're out on the recruiting trails or when you're evaluating players who could potentially be players at university of Arizona, how much does technology play into that sort of evaluation?
1: Well, um, I mean, they, for example, like on the pitching side, yeah, they do have radar guns now that give you spin. Hmm. And I think that's pretty valuable because you might see an undersized, still growing, young lefty that's 82, 83, and he's a sophomore, but he's boy, he's throwing his fastball and it's the velo's a little light, but the spin is good. Or maybe Mm. he's really throwing a hammer curveball that has maybe good spin rate. Mm. Um, You know, so much of this stuff is available on the internet now, you know, in terms of the information that's put into a kid's profile at whatever organization it may be. Mm -hmm. Um, But the extent to which I still think the vast majority of people Are evaluating talent the way they always have. You know, Mm -hmm. the eye test, the stopwatch, um, um, performance, competitiveness, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, I find myself over the years relying less and less. On, say, the gun and really watching the kid, you know,
0: mm.
1: or, or you know, looking at a position player. I mean, we're the, we're the University of Arizona. So I'm presuming that whom I'm seeing is one of the better guys, right? Sure. In the state, in the west, in the country. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm there. And when I go to see this player, and let's say he's a shortstop, I expect him to be a good player. Moves well. If it hits his glove, he catches it. When he puts it in his hand, he throws a strike. When he gets in the box, he's hit, he's getting the ball on the barrel. Um he, 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 he has tools, he has skills, right? The separator is gonna be how hard is he playing? How well is he relating to his other teammates? What's he like? How does he act? Hmm. Is he two batting gloves on and two hanging out of his pocket and is more interested in look how awesome he looks? Or is he just trying to get in there and be a hard-nosed player who also has high-level skills? Hmm. That, to me, is how I evaluate a position player. Um, You know, there's certain things. I mean, you know, as time goes on, when we're developing future rosters, we have our own set of things from the tools, component and and that sort of thing that we're trying to highlight and make sure we get um, um, but above all else I mean are you playing to win the game are you are you playing your butt off are you running hard do you hmm. do you get on and off the field I'm not talking sprinting like a maniac on and off but are you getting on and off the field you know are
2: how
1: how how are you reacting to a bad call um you know just what kind of kid are you yeah um how how are you just carrying yourself what kind of presence do you have
3: Yeah. Um, yeah
1: and then you know you get into school and you know what kind of student are you? I mean, I'm a big believer in that you don't underachieve in the classroom and then magically overachieve on the field. Doesn't work.
0: It's rare. That it's rare.
1: Just never works that way. Mm. You know, um, when you when the game's over and your parents are meeting you outside the gate and you're walking to the you know how are you interacting with your parents? Mm. Um, it just we're watching everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I would presume everybody else is probably doing the same.
0: You mentioned the look of a player. Do you think, or at least, okay, in my experience, the way I get better at you know, enhancing my look right, is generally just by watching games, watching people at the high level, see how they do it, and then just emulating it. Yeah, that's pretty much the only way you can get better at that if you're, you know, some 14 year old, right, who doesn't know the first thing about body language.
1: Yeah, there's, there's no question. Um, I mean, but, but the ones that are regardless of their age or whatever that stick out, there's a kid that we're involved with right now. Okay. Mm -hmm. Who's a good player. Right. He matches up with all the other good players we may or may not be involved with in his class. And, and he gets hits and he makes plays. But I'll be a son of a gun. Every time a ball's hit to an infielder, and an infielder picks it up and throws it over to first base. He's 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 backing up from his right field position. You don't see that a lot Hmm. you know we had Dante Williams play for us here you know Dante yeah and I remember when we were recruiting him I went to go watch him play and it just so happened he wasn't in the lineup Mm. okay so I still I hang out I watch the game and he went and got every foul ball every foul ball i mean it uh, it seemed like it i mean if it was hooked (laughs) into the corner in play he was out of the dugout going to get it if it went over the Hmm. backstop he went and got it i mean i fell in love with that kid yeah just off of that now he had all the other stuff good arm could run run the ball down in the outfield hit yeah and then you know, he had his growing pains as a young player in college. And then eventually what he became was a kid that I always talk about. And I say, that guy I wish I could coach for the rest of my life. I mean, mm. he he was that kind of kid and that kind of player. And it all started for me. We may have already we our minds may have been already made up by then. I don't know. But I was sold on him when. He was doing something that is pretty uncommon. Hmm. You don't see that. You yeah. see, you know, um, you know, the pitchers got to go get it or something like this. This guy was doing something to help his team win a game, and he wasn't even playing.
0: Interesting. You know what else is something that's very, you know, not uncommon, but something maybe you don't see a whole lot is a kid who's on the cell phone with you and just blows you away by the way he carries himself. And I'm only saying that because every one of my peers who I've ever talked to about that time in high school, when you have to talk to college coaches, just how nervous you get. Mm -hmm. I mean, you guys have to know that we are nervous on the other end of the line. I mean, yeah, yeah. What's the objective there? Because obviously, you know, that that's how we're feeling, but it's like, what are you, what are you looking for? From a kid, you know, on the end end of the line,
1: yeah, you know, I think um I think it's the questions you ask. I think if you make that initial few calls to the kid, whether he's super young or it's, you know the first call, right, or the first two or three i think I think if you you know show an interest. You know, the tendency or the instinct is you go right in. We're right at the University of Arizona yeah. and we got this and our uniforms are sweet and we got sweet shoes and we got sweet da-da-da-da and you just start talking about all this stuff. Sure. I think the way you disarm the kid and get him to relax is you just start asking him questions about himself. So, so you know, I mean I, I do it all the time. So So tell me, tell me about mom. Tell me about dad. Are you the youngest? Are you the oldest? Are you the middle? What do you got? You know, Mm -hmm. oh, you got a younger sister. Does she play sports? No, she likes to dance. Or yeah, she's a really good softball player. Or yeah, my (laughs) older brother, he he goes to X university and he's studying this. And you you know, you just kind of make it about them and and you kind of get a feel for things. But some kids that we're talking to, you know are super young and and yeah and so i always try to make sure the ones that are young young that you know you're hey you know can you have your parents on this call you know
0: sure, so, sure.
1: you know because you want somebody there um i mean sometimes you know it, it can if if you don't handle it right kind of feel a little creepy i mean because you're talking to this kid who's <laughs> playing on the freshman team of his, bar, of his freshman year.
3: Yeah. And,
1: you know, and he doesn't have anything in common with me. You know? It's not like we're going to talk about similar things, but what we do have similar <laughs> is sports and baseball. baseball. Yeah. And, and so, you know, you just you, you just kind of try to make it the call about them, not about you know, at least the initial calls, if you're not trying to sell
0: them. Yeah, that has to be a newer thing. I can't remember, at least new. when I was in high school, that anyone who was, like, super young was making phone calls. And I thought I was on the early end. I was – I mean, I had to be freshman year the first couple, not to toot my own horn, but it, it's still early. But that's crazy.
1: Yeah, right? it's very early. Oh,
0: man. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Is that one of the – that's got to be, like, one of the bigger differences, right, It's just how early you kind of have to start
1: yeah yeah i mean you got to make some contact and and um you know you got to go through a third party and Hmm. you know and and you know if you miss their call then they're going to call you back and you can't return (laughs) their call and you can't text them and yeah and you know so many families don't know the rules and um but i mean i think at the end of the day it's it's the ease in which you handle the situation and, mm. and, and the call, you know, and, you know, other than making it about themselves, the other thing, you know, with the younger guy, you try to create, okay, so what is your time frame? I mean, I want to respect how you want to do this. Yeah. You know, um, if you're not ready, that's fine. This is just an initial call. This isn't something where we're, you know trying to speed your process up we want to respect what your process is and what your family Hmm. is thinking they want to do and but i think more than anything is you you know you're basically now recruiting eighth ninth tenth eleventh twelfth junior college players in portal
3: yeah
1: and if you're not actively say talking to say eighth graders you're You've, you've got to start at some point digging in on that group and that age group to because then when you do get a chance to go see them, you know, you you, 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 you want to start developing a list at the very least.
0: Hmm. You mentioned rules. You said the word rules and it kind of sparked the idea of the new rule or a very new rule that just came into play about uh, changing the title of the volunteer coach and how they're going to become a full position, I think is is like the proper way to say it. So yeah,
1: so basically, the title of volunteer has been removed.
0: Yeah, and
1: so in in so doing, it's now universities are given basically it's given the option to pay that third assistant Mm -hmm. or not, but there's no such thing as a volunteer. Mm. Um, You're either on the staff or you're not on the staff and how much you get paid and to what extent each university is willing to fund and support it is up to each individual university.
0: Okay. So with, with the removal of the volunteer title I would still expect you're allowed to add someone you know to the staff hopefully who can kind of fulfill that role yes in a sense so so uh, just in your eyes where do you think most people are going to go with that new position where they're kind of like an unofficial volunteer assistant in terms of you know the type of coach that they're looking for
1: Well, that just depends. I mean, it could, it could be uh, somebody who's has, you know, is skilled at a specific position Hmm. or, um, I mean, everybody has to recruit and be good at it. Sure. Okay. So um, I think it just depends on what, the head coach's area of expertise is in respect to a position and what mm. he coaches, and then the rest of the staff. I don't, I don't see it becoming, you know, oh, uh, you know, it's always going to be a hitting coach, or it's always going to be a pitching coach, or it's yeah. always going to be a recruiter. Um, mm. You know, nowadays, as I said before, this wide range of ages that we're now evaluating and making contact with um you know it's all hands on deck everybody's involved now Mm -hmm. somebody's coordinating it yeah charge of it and then you you know you got your flow chart but um you know and to what extent every school will end up doing it i don't know Mm. i don't i don't know
0: that's interesting. I've definitely heard some some schools, some coaches on or off camera, kind of lean towards the yeah, we need someone to help with the pitching staff because there's only one coach, you know, for twenty guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, I mean, I
1: could see, I could see that being a strategy for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm yeah. curious because you've worked with pitchers. I mean, your yeah. whole career has that ever been uh, an issue for you having to work with a full staff where you're essentially the not the only guy, maybe, but the head guy, the the one who's making the decisions.
1: No, but what we've always been very fortunate over the last recent years is to have um, either a undergraduate coach help me. Mm. And that would be somebody who has a year of eligibility is no longer playing. And, you know, like maybe he signed professionally, signed after his junior year, he he doesn't have eligibility, but he still has a year of school left. So he might have mm. signed after three years. There's a there's, the, you know, within the rules where you have a, a guy who comes back, he finishes his degree and he helps coach. Mm. And then and then, you know, the roles of um, undergraduate managers, you know. Um, they, or graduate managers, I should say, they can't coach, but they can assist the mm-hmm. pitching coach with, you know, set up and certain things. And, and, you know, they can be a catch partner when you have an odd guy, um, mm. you know, that, that, that might be throwing that day and, and, and all kinds of things. I, I, I would, you know, I, I know how we're gonna go and I know what we're gonna do. Um but I could see exactly what you said. You might have two guys doing the pitching, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean it's it's kind of like in football where they have a run game coordinator and a
2: passing game
1: coordinator, right? I I I could see that, but for for the bulk of my time as a pitching coach, it's always been just me. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Uh, Cause obviously I've played with the idea of coaching. So, but the thought of that to me, it's, it's a little bit, um, I don't want to say burdening, but it seems like a tall task.
1: Well, it, it, yeah. I mean, like I said, for many years, I, there was, I knew no other way. Yeah. And then it isn't, it hasn't been until recently where we've used um, certain guys who still have school left and want to be involved and help and, and all that stuff. And it's very, very helpful and valuable.
0: Mm. Let's take it to current day yeah. um, preparing for the season, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think we talked about this off camera just before, but can you walk me through again, kind of what it looks like? You know, these couple of weeks leading up to the season. I mean, we're we're knocking on the door now, so
1: yeah, yeah. So I, I think this Friday
0: mm-hmm.
1: would give us twenty one days till the opener. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, we've divided the staff up into a group of guys that we're going to stretch out and get to where they can eat up innings. And then we have a group of guys that were getting ready to throw out of the pen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've been back at it since January 11th, mm-hmm. you know, as a group, um, although limited with the skill hour stuff and all that, Sure. i think i think what what's kind of um comforting to me is that it would appear that they did a really nice job during the holiday leading up to where they needed to be when they came back to school mm-hmm. and you know that the weekend of 11 12 the martin luther king weekend they had you know uh like a two-inning bullpen. It was just basically throw 15 pitches, sit down for seven minutes, get up. Sure, to yeah. Last weekend, where they threw, um, they all threw two innings, live ABs, mm. um, to now we're going to be playing real inter-squad games in that, where that group will be at, you know, three innings, 45, 50 pitches. And yeah. then the next week, four innings, you know, 50 to 65 pitches to the weekend before. So Mm -hmm. that's the mode we're in right now. And, um, I feel good about the group that we're extending. You know, we, we open up with four straight games. So, um, you know, we're going to need guys that can give us some volume Mm. as well as guys that are ready to pitch out of the pen, you know, ideally, you know, if, if, you'd like to not go, even though we'll do a back-to-back the weekend before in terms of the bullpen, yeah. um, you know, you'd, you'd like to avoid that if you can the first weekend, let everybody kind of get their feet wet. Yeah. Um, you know, we, um, it's been great the last two years, you know, picked up a lot of stuff on, from Chip and how, you know, for years, you always kind of go, okay, this guy's going to go four, three, two, two, one, right? And then Chip suggested, well, instead of a guy throwing two, how about he gets four or five outs so that he gets a a, a, a period of time where he has to sit down and then go back out? So hmm. in other words, we're not making the that. So that the first time he does it isn't the first time.
0: <laughs> I see. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then and then the following week with the bullpen, you know, um doing a back to back with them, even if mm. it's a couple hitters, yeah. you know, um, on back to back days, so that the first time they go back to back isn't the first time. Right. So, you know, that, that kind of thing. In terms of stretching out the starters, I mean, there's no rocket scientists to that. You gotta to stretch them out,
0: yeah, what about preparing for games like week to week? Um Is there a preparation protocol that you guys follow, maybe even once you get into conference uh, and you know like kind of the teams and the styles that you might be facing on a weekend series
1: Well, I mean, you know we you know we have the video and the synergy and the true media and all that, and you watch it and you, mm-hmm. you develop from it a scouting report um you know, there's always going to be a team that does some goofy trick stuff that you want to make your team aware of. Right. Um, But I mean, literally the season, my day is in thirds. It's prepping for practice and putting some thought into how we're doing that Mm -hmm. practice, the games. And I guess the fourth thing would be, you know, putting the scouting report together. Um, Mm. and, and that's, that's all I think about, you know, that's, that's everything. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, um, I mean, the season's obviously the funnest part, you know, (laughs) the planning of the week in terms of the throwing schedules and the daily practice plan and, and making sure you're covering things and then the games and then, and then, you know, the, the practice plan. I mean, the scatter report.
0: Yeah. How often do you like to look at game film with uh, your pitchers? Maybe even with struggling pitchers, too, if you like yeah. to play around with that.
1: Yeah, um, as needed. Yeah. You, you know, um, I, I've pledged to myself this year that I'm going to be very vigilant on when I see something really good, writing on my clipboard, you know, bottom of the fourth, 1-0 pitch to so-and-so, and then making sure we get that cut and show the kid or even the team hmm. or even the staff. Um, I think that is very, very valuable. In terms of how you present the scatter report, you know, it, it, I, it's hard to, I think it's an individual by individual basis. I think some mm-hmm. kids do better with, I'm just gonna do my thing. Just give me the important stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
1: some guys want the full-blown thing. Yes. Um, you know, and whether or not they're retaining it you know yeah if you want the whole piece of pie then you better eat it yeah you know um and and even to that extent you know it's it's your best always i mean do what you do really well and then it's our job as coaches to match you up whether it's hitter on pitcher pitcher on hitter whatever the case may be sure Um, you know and then and then over the course of the year you know we're going to start to see trends and you know you start self-scouting sure and, and seeing what you're doing and 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 taking that information and putting it to use
0: can i give you a little scenario yeah So you have a pitcher, um, started off pretty well. Maybe first, maybe he's a starter, you know, first couple starts, pretty solid. He's looking exactly how he did leading up to the season. He's very consistent, starts to fall off after a few starts and you start to say, okay, why? Mm -hmm. What's, what's like the protocol there? What are you looking at, you know, are you just, you know, just going in talking to him? Is it as simple as that? Just trying to see where his head's at? Yeah, um, I mean, I, because I that happens, right? Like the yeah. consistency. You know, you see a guy; it's like he's so solid, and then he starts tapping The snowball effect starts to come into play, and you're like, "What's what's going on here?" So, it's yeah. like, how do you how do you attack that?
1: Well, I think um, a way to do it is to go first of all, it's not as bad as you think, hmm. but the reason why it's not going as well as you'd like is X, Y, Z, and then show Yeah, so. Yeah with with technology and things such as synergy and true media Mm. you know you can you can show yeah you know you 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 know the you're not commanding this pitch as well as you did the last three stars or or and and that's why you're getting yourself into trouble um you know um as a pitcher you know I mean if you throw let's say you throw seven innings I mean mm-hmm. it always comes down to just a few pitches yeah. right and the problem with young players is they think like you know the world is ending and it really isn't you're not as you know you're not as bad or you're not going as bad as you think you are you just need to clean mm-hmm. up a things right you know remember after that third really good start in a row i made the comment to you about how say your catch play was getting a little sloppy Mm. and sometimes that's all it takes to get off get out of whack yeah or you all of a sudden tried to change something and and um yeah, I mean, I think it's all the things that you think it is. You know, sometimes kids struggle a little bit because, you know, we had a kid going pretty well and then he developed a, a bad blister, pitched hmm. through it, but it took one of his key pitches away for some time. And then it took a while to get back and then he got it back and then he was rolled. You know, interesting, and, and so now you got to give him you know some some ways to look at it okay you don't have this pitch but these are the pitches you have and so maybe now maybe that was your best pitch now you got to pitch with your second third and fourth best pitch well this is how you can do that Mm -hmm. this is how i think you might be able to do that yeah and um you know i mean there's I mean, I know when I pitched, you know, you get these, you go, you get on a run, and then, and then all of a sudden you have a a clunker or two in there, and then some self doubt creeps in. I mean, that's what it really is, Mm. you know. I mean, sometimes it's a mechanical thing, sometimes it's something else, but, you know, I think a lot of times, um, you know, they they have that clunker and then all of a sudden they're not as confident.
0: Yeah. yeah Between does. the ears, right? Sure yeah.
1: That's where I say there's a reason why the rear view mirror is significantly smaller than the <laughs> than the than the than the front windshield.
0: Exactly. Did you always want to get into coaching?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean So, so when did you I, know? I honestly. Well, first of all, I was like everybody. I was going to play in the major leagues. Yep. But then I I can't tell you exactly how old I was. Um. But I knew at a pretty young age, hmm. 12, 13, 14, that if I didn't become a big leaguer, I wanted to coach. And... I don't know why. Um, I think think a big reason was is I never had a bad coach. Mm. I mean, I've literally never had a bad coach in terms of what I define as a good coach. I Mm. mean, they may not have been the best technician or the best this or the best that, but I mean, I can go back to mustang cubs 9 and 10 year old
2: mm.
1: and i had the man brothers and what i remember about them is they put up and still played and didn't give up on a young jerk 9 10 year old who threw temper tantrums when it didn't go my way and then <laughs> when i played bronco i played for a guy named Mr. Wilson and, and man we had fun I mean it was so fun Yeah. and then when I played pony ball I played for Mr. McDonald and we had fun and there was a little edge to them and so now hmm. you know it's like we weren't just trying to win games we're trying to destroy people but do it right you no. know And then I played for a legendary high school coach, Larry Carrico
2: Mm. from
1: the the San Francisco Bay Area, El Cerrito High School. I mean, we had winter ball. We had, I mean, when we had seven, I mean, we were always doing baseball. Now we all back then, you know, I played football and Mm. I played baseball. And when we played that Friday night game, the next day we had a doubleheader somewhere playing baseball, you know, Man. and and then and and you know we had batting cages and pitching machines when nobody did, you know, and we played a 60-game Legion schedule. And it and it, mm. and it was the it was the whole high school would do that, and it was an extension of the high school season. And and then I went to play for another hall of fame coach tom purse at laney college in oakland
3: and
1: mm. and and Jeez. man did i learned about grit and toughness and mm. i mean getting worked like you've never worked before never having days off if yeah. it was a rainy day we would just get destroyed in the wrestling room doing stuff that you know burpees and wall sits, and then got a run up, got to run around Lake Marin in downtown Oakland in 25 minutes. And if you didn't make it, you had to do it again. And, and we won and we kicked butt. And then I got to play for um, Al Ferrer at UC Santa Barbara. And I learned a lot about like, I was, you know he was super organized. Mm. and and like practices bam 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 and we were good and i got to play for mike gillespie in Mm. the in the summer in the in the alaska league for two summers and when i wasn't pitching i was standing as close to him as i could so that i could learn because as even at that age i knew of his reputation you know because he was a He was a really great junior college coach at College of the Canyons. And and then, you know, my my first job in coaching was for my high school coach who Mm. went to a junior college. And, you know, I learned, (laughs) I mean, I was finishing my degree, had a 500 paper chronicle route, was in charge of the field, in charge of the pitching in charge of recruiting and you know what a whoa you know it's like damn damn <laughs> like, and and then i went 2 years as a ga when they had gAs for gary powers at nevada mm, yeah and i learned about recruiting there i mean this is when guys like me could go recruiting and the first time you know he literally handed me his credit card he said, go to the, to the Reno airport, rent a car. You need to drive to LA and go down there for 10 days and find us some players. And I had no idea what I was doing. I had oh my binders, gosh. <laughs> all the questionnaires and, and, and high school coach forms. Cause you did everything by mail. Then, you know, who are your best players? And they fill out. And I had these massive binders. I got in the car. I drove to LA. I was there for 10 days. And I, I mean, somehow I figured it out, you know, and wow. like just literally got thrown, got welded into the cockpit yeah, with no parachute. And we ended up getting some pretty good players and, you know, getting on the phone, no cell phone, no <laughs> cell phones. You know, you're on the pay phone and and you're paying you know, the hotel phone bill with the credit card. And, you know, I, to this day, I can still remember him saying, you better make sure you save every receipt. And, 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 and then after two years there at 26 years old, I got to be the pitching coach at the university of California, Berkeley for Bob Malone. And, you know, in the Pac-10 at 26, running the yeah. pitching staff, recruiting, doing all that stuff, and then after 10 years there, I got to coach with Mike Gillespie, and and do that. And then I had a there was a six year period where um, I was the head baseball coach at uh, Servite High School, and mm-hmm. then athletic director at Jay Sarah, and then start got back into college with Jay at Nevada again, and here I am. But yeah. I just I mean there's just nothing I don't know anything else, I don't try to know anything else mm-hmm. um, i i I watch baseball games on tv i I you know i i I wish I could still get a paper that had box scores um, you know, they just I'm just I'm an old, new school baseball guy. I mean, I just, it's all, it's all I ever wanted to do. Oh, you Literally. were born for this. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think. That's what I'm hearing. I had a great mom who, you know, um, if I had a a Little League game at five o'clock on a Tuesday, you know, mm. she would take me to the cages before and hit. And, you know, if I, if I had the three o'clock game on Saturday, I would be there at nine o'clock Saturday morning in my uniform waiting for my game forever. And, um, well, I, I, I I don't know. I mean, I I can't explain it. It's not like my, my dad was a former major leaguer or involved in baseball or my mom was a you know a pro softball player in a previous life is i don't know i was a good player i wasn't a great player i was a good player um i you know i got the chance to play college ball and get drafted a couple times but i never played pro ball but um, you know, I, I, it's yeah. So, you know, I mean, because I saw on your on your question, you know, you mentioned mm. what would you do if I wasn't coach? Yeah, I, I don't know. I
0: that yeah. is a
1: really really scary thing.
0: I was gonna say we'll just skip over that one. There, yeah, there's no I, plan B.
1: Didn't don't even think know. about it. I I, 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 yeah, I don't know. It's just it scares me.
0: <laughs> well, okay. So since now, I mean, like that I've gotten the full picture, that the listeners have gotten the full picture. If you could go back in time, I mean, there's gotta be something you'd tell your younger self, you know, to kind of maybe maybe not steer you in a different direction, but steer you in the right direction, you know, like just like a little chunk of information that you yeah, would be like, oh, that would have been nice to know, I, you know.
1: I, yeah. I think it'd have been nice to know. When I started getting into coaches, that football coaches make so much money. Maybe I <laughs> tried to be a football coach. Uh, yeah, because you know, because us baseball coaches, and don't don't get me wrong, I'm I'm more than happy with where I'm at and what I'm doing.
0: Don't mess um, I'm with better, it, right? Don't mess with I, <laughs> I I
1: I don't know. I mean, um. Nothing else has ever interested me.
2: Hmm.
1: You know, it's not like I wanted to be a dolphin trainer or <laughs> you know, I don't know. I I, I, I mean I wish I, I, man. I, I don't know, maybe get better grades. I, I don't know. I mean <laughs> it did.
0: We could all get to, better
1: grades, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I just, man, I mean, I, and when I say I've never had a bad coach, I really mean I'm not paying homage to somebody or patting somebody on the back. I mean, for yeah. some reason, I was able to get the good out of every experience I've had.
0: Well, I mean, that's an interesting sentence that you that you bring up because – I mean, I would say you're probably in the minority, but then again, maybe it's just the way you looked at it, you know? I mean, yeah, who knows what the coaches really thought, I mean, to a degree, but, you know, it's kind of more just about like, what can you get out of them? You know, even if you don't have the best experience, it's like, how can I, how can I learn from it? You know? Mm-hmm. So, um, but I, yeah, it's very interesting that you said it. Cause it seems like you had all these role models that kind of just, kept building and building and building and you're like oh well yeah this is in my blood it's like second nature at this point
1: yeah i mean when, when i think back to when i was little the, the the amount of time i would spend just throwing a ball against a wall you
0: know <laughs> that's and now they got nets you know now it's just like throw the plow balls in the nets
1: <laughs> well yes they do um i want to you- actually been a really awesome pitcher had I had all this stuff now
0: <laughs> oh man I, th- I even I think about that too like growing up thinking like yeah oh man the world it would, it's it's so different already like 10 years or whatever you know from you know 2006 7 8 to 10 or to 20 it's like oh my gosh yeah it's changing so much yeah you did say though that you're you're happy here. You said off camera too. Don't mess with happy. Yeah, uh, that don't was mess with happy. Man. Yeah, that was a great little like sense that you said. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm man. not gonna forget that. But now I have to ask. So you know, what do you like about Arizona? What is what is it about Arizona that you like? You mean the school? I'll ask about the school first. Yes. Well, let's, I, do, I, let's do the school.
1: Yeah. So I'm. I feel very lucky and fortunate to be at a place where they really support the program and the players Mm. um whether it's on a regular from resources and all that but you know they're always trying to make our ballpark better Mm. you know they're 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 doing that they 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 support the kids and and it's a very student athlete friendly situation here. Mm. and 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 I feel like they take really good care of us coaches. and then mm. to be able to be on a staff with a bunch of guys that you really like, and then the weather, I mean, yeah, I mean, the weather's look it may not be san diego but yeah. it's it's awesome i mean yeah. there's a difference in southern arizona that you know i mean arizona itself i mean still people are you know they don't understand that say flagstaff is got a bunch of snow right flagstaff oh, yeah. arizona, you know and so yeah, yeah. When you think of arizona you think of desert mm-hmm. and and you know i can only speak for southern arizona i mean it's it's awesome down here i love yeah. it and and um yeah so um it's just a really good situation where they support us and mm. which means we got a chance to be in the mix and and win
0: that's crucial honestly. It's so crucial for yeah and I'm not sports.
1: yeah and and you know like to toot my horn slightly <laughs> um, please I've been I've coached thirty seven years mm-hmm. and I've only been to the College World Series four times so it's really hard and I and I have great respect for that mm. now I'll age myself when I tell you. Have been four times in four different decades. And mm. as each time has happened, what motivates me most is not, I mean, obviously you want to win and you're heartbroken when you lose, mm. but the joy and the smiles on your players' faces who get to do that mm. is like will last me forever it'll be what I remember the most Hmm. and that kind of motivates me to for them to leave the ballpark with smiles on their faces and 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 get to do cool stuff like playing the playoffs and and advance through all that um it, it it just doesn't get any more magical than the College World Series.
0: Oh man, yeah. And, I mean, I can only imagine, but and it's, and it's so
1: hard to get there. Yeah, it's it it, it it's so hard, yeah. and um, and now, you know, especially the last two times, it's it's almost like I've been looking at it from ten thousand feet above, and just watching the kids. And then, yeah. of course, you get in the game and you're just like, boom. Right? Tunnel, tunneled. Right. But all the other cool stuff that happens, it's so badass.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's it, a whole deal. It's a big event, too. Like, well, It's a yeah, it, big Yeah,
1: too. it is. It's a big event. and And just, you know, trying to do it is so much fun and yeah and and you know the season you know i mean i I love the fall, I love going out and recruiting and trying to find players, but I really love the season yeah,
0: it's, it's a whole new gear, it's a it's, whole new gear,
1: it's just so cool, and, yeah you know, and it's so yeah
0: um, I want to ask now about the program specifically, just if there's anything you can kind of give like maybe like a tidbit something that you really appreciate about your program um, that maybe a lot of people don't really know about when they hear University of Arizona or it just doesn't really get advertised a whole lot
1: yeah well I mean it's a blue blood in college baseball I -hmm. mean it's it's got four national titles it's got 17, 18 College World Series appearances, mm. 40 playoff appearances. Um, and I think sometimes, I think people in the baseball world, you understand it, everybody understands that, but I don't think people quite understand the, the history of it, who's mm. played here, you know, I um you know terry francona ron assie trevor hoffman Mm. mark melanson um the people that you just you wouldn't even realize the amount of people have migrated into professional baseball in these wide variety of of roles Mm. um I didn't know the complete story until I got here. Um, yeah, but um it's a blue blood in college baseball and and it's it's an iconic program in my opinion. Hmm. and um, you know I, I I wonder if the the whole world realizes that, you know, um, yeah, I mean, winning records and and <laughs> the amount of winning records in conference and and, and just mm-hmm. it's uh sometimes you know um it appears in the big scope of things that it's a bit under the radar
0: oh yeah especially when it's expanded over so much time it can be so easy to get caught in the backdrop. Of it, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, it it is though. It it is definitely like an important piece of a of a team because I would imagine as a player when you get there, there's just this overwhelming sense of like, oh my gosh, like this is this, this our standard is well above everyone else's. Like it's that's just part of what it is.
1: And and we are one of the few out here in the West where the public interest is i mean people are really fans you know yeah i, mean, I got
0: to go to a game last year actually uh while I, mean, I was in spring training
1: i mean from the from the attendance to i mean you know there's no spring training down here or so mm-hmm. we're their baseball team yeah and it shows in the attendance and mm. and you know the the It's so closely followed down here, and and it's that's really I think really cool.
0: Oh, for a player too. I mean, I can't. I'm trying to think of the first time I played in front of four or five thousand people, but it's different. It It really changes. It really changes uh, the way you got to play the game, but it can really elevate you too. Yeah, it's absolutely interesting, and obviously your school brings that so that's just a whole other layer on top of it on top of the yeah. blue bloodness Yeah, <laughs> blood, that's, that's the basketball kind of uh tie-in right it, yeah it's, well i think between, yeah.
1: i mean i think you know we have you know our football team's headed in a really good upward trend and mm-hmm. we've got some of the other sports that are doing this but you know in over the course of time baseball softball and basketball have been i mean well arizona softball is the iconic softball program i mean yeah that that is the program now you know as the interest has grown and more teams are you know now it's just it's a little different but but I mean, they were in the College World Series last year. You mm-hmm. know, softball was, and and you know the basketball thing. a big deal. I mean, it's a fifteen thousand seat arena that literally there are no seats for ever.
0: Yeah, it truly and, is a powerhouse of, a, of of a program. Yeah, a, and on the west, which is the interesting part too. Yeah. Um, I have one more question left for you. Mm-hmm. It's about the recruiting trails uh i want to just you know i'm sure you've got plenty of stories but if you have just one you maybe want to share about potential recruiting visit or a trip that you had to go take you've already mentioned you know one that was pretty crazy um and it could be you know a success story of a recruiting visit or, or a recruit that you had it could be something that just really odd you know is embarrassing for you or the players like you don't have to name names but it could be anything really something that just kind of sticks in your head and maybe comes back around like you know once a month or something where you're like oh my gosh remember that happened? i
1: would would have to really rack my brain i mean there's there's because
0: you've been recruiting for how long
2: since 19
1: 89
0: so long much longer than i've been yeah yep that's about 10 years longer than i've been alive so
1: yeah um (laughs) you know i mean there's always these stories where you go to see a guy i mean this has happened you go to do a home visit Mm. and everything goes great and then, this actually didn't happen to me, but it happened to a person I know. He sent his head coach to go on a home visit. Did mm-hmm. the home visit? He wakes up the next morning in the hotel, grabs the paper, and sees that that kid had or has committed to another school. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, goofy stuff you know um huh. yeah i think god i wish probably some of the great stories aren't podcast friendly unless i was on, <laughs> yeah. unless i was doing uh pat mcafee's podcast yeah or something. <laughs> but, but yeah i mean there's i've heard there's, that before yeah. yeah i think i think a, a a recent one i was in phoenix a few summers ago mm. and I was watching games and I was driving to the airport cuz I was mm. going to catch a flight to Anchorage, Alaska. I was going to go see some some junior college guys mm. that were playing up in the Alaska League. And I when I parked the car in Phoenix, the temperature was 120. Oh, I get on the plane Fly to Anchorage. I get off the plane, and the temperature was 46. I think yeah. that possibly sets an all-time recruiting record for the biggest variance in temperature in one day from one city to the next.
0: I mean, you've you've got That's my record. That's <laughs>
1: almost 120, 46, uh, 50. 40, yeah, it's, it's 54 like a, plus
0: 20, 74. What is that? It, so 74?
1: 74 degree difference.
0: Yeah, 74. Wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 64.
1: 64. Is it 64? 120. No, 74.
0: 74, uh, 74. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Gee, I mean, Wild. yeah. According to, you know, my record book, yeah, that takes the
1: cake. That's yeah, that's gotta be the biggest temperature swing.
0: And it never, it never, uh, doesn't the sun never send? in uh, Alaska
1: in the summer um it
0: or rarely it does maybe
1: well I mean it's it's you're it's the north northern mm-hmm. hemisphere right so the angle of the sun so mm-hmm. the southern hemisphere it's opposite so for example why why we are talking about this I don't know but anyways yes. it's like. It's complete different, say in Australia than it is here, right? Yeah, yeah. in the summer in Alaska, they get about twenty plus hours of daylight, yeah, yeah. when you're there, when you're there on the longest day of the year, the summer solstice, the the sun barely goes down. yeah, so it, it's almost like sunset for seven straight hours as it works its way along the horizon then it pops mm, back up so, i see
0: and kids are playing during that time right
1: yeah i mean i i i when i played in alaska one summer i played in the midnight sun game.
0: yeah that's and it
1: was a game that we that that's we crazy. started at midnight no we started at 10 o'clock and didn't really have to turn the lights on until after midnight
0: wow oh my yeah. gosh Alaska league that's that's an interesting one I I haven't heard many stories about it but yeah that's it's a wild little league um okay well I mean Dave that's that's all I have for you I think um if you want to just give like a brief like last words for the listeners just you know for players that are interested um how they can reach you maybe or what the best you know way to go about that is
1: yeah I don't think I can do that but um you know Oh, okay. It makes things super easy but yeah um, yeah it shouldn't be yeah, hard. No, i'm you. just i'm glad that you thought enough to want me to share and yeah. i was happy to do it and um you know best of luck to you and in your stuff and um you know I'm, I'm boy these 23 days are gonna really fly and then oh, yeah. before you know it the season's gonna be over and <laughs>
0: so and then yeah, it's right back but to no, it.
1: just really thanks for having me i appreciate uh you making the time
0: absolutely i'm happy to do it um okay all right well that's that'll wrap it up i'll just say right. one last time thank you and you i'll talk to you briefly after we say goodbye to the listeners okay. but yeah that's gonna do it so um yeah i guess we'll just see you next week